Welcome to Express, the podcast for brands. Each week, we'll bring you content about brands, advertising, marketing, and sales. We'll cover the whole spectrum of branding, from research and strategy to concepting, creative development, measurement, and analytics. This is the first podcast, so we've got a lot to cover, but in general, we'll aim for long enough to be worthwhile, but short enough for a coffee break. So, Express Topics. I'm Dr. David Kippen, CEO and Chief Strategist at Aviva. I'll be your host. And before I get started, I should tell you that most of what we cover will be on our blog at avivabrands.com. That's E-V-V-I-V-A, then the word brands.com. Go there, click on the blogs link, and you'll find full text along with links out to the examples we share on these podcasts. Okay, so let's get started with a really simple question. What do you talk about when you talk about brands? Probably a logo and a name. But for most companies, the name and logo are the least interesting parts of their brand. So what should you think about when you think about your brand? How's brand expression done right? How should it connect with corporate strategy? What's the role of employee and consumer insight in establishing the brand? Where does design come into the mix, and how can you make your brand make your business better? In this podcast, we'll take a deeper dive into the brand beyond the name. We'll talk about how the brand, the strategy, consumer insight, and creative come together when a brand's working right, and we'll look at some examples of what happens when a brand's lost in the wilderness and really needs repositioning. Then I'll give you an overview of how the best brand-building process we call it an evidence-based process, works, and how it delivers value. So let's start at the beginning. Why do we have brands at all? From a marketing standpoint, brands exist to make people take selective action. Brands a verb in this sense because I want you to do something when you see it. I want you to take a specific action around a specific product. Now, that action doesn't have to happen the moment you see the brand message. In fact, what separates brand advertising and regular advertising is that brand advertising's goal is to ensure you understand what differentiates your brand from all the others, while the goal of advertising is to say, get this product for less during a limited time at this location. Think of the Ritz-Carlton's brand, and you may think of their iconic logo. If you haven't seen it, imagine a kind of lion coming out of a crown. There's a whole logo story there that's probably really interesting, but only if you care about the brand. And here's the thing. If you know the brand well, you also think of their motto, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Because along with the rest of their gold standards, that's how you experience the brand's promise. So there's an important distinction between what the brand looks like and what the brand promises. And as important as they are, the logo and the name aren't nearly as important as making the right promise clearly and delivering on it consistently. From a business standpoint, brands have an even simpler purpose. All companies focus on brands when they launch. They need a name to incorporate and become an entity, and they need some form of logo to trademark their name. Later, when design elements start to look dated or out of touch, many do rebranding projects. Unfortunately, because they're focused almost exclusively on design, these usually deliver far less than they should. For example, the Ritz-Carlton's most recent rebrand focuses almost entirely on minor, forgettable adjustments to the logo's look and feel. And if they're not strongly tied to corporate strategy or employee and consumer insights, they can get hung up around the neck of the marketing team as a vanity project. 
Employees say, great, we have a new font and the logo's a different blue. Wonder how much that cost us. And they're right. I think it's one of the key reasons the average tenure of a CMO is about two years. That's the time it takes to do a bad rebrand and launch a couple of bad campaigns. So how should business and brand strategy connect? Well, it's actually simple. Every good corporate strategy is built around enhancing or defending a specific set of competitive advantages. Think of these as things the company does that others don't do, or maybe don't do as well. Some of these are secrets. For example, the formula for Coca-Cola is a closely held secret. Others are obvious. Walmart uses its purchasing power to deliver low prices every day. But if the brand's well-made, the most important competitive advantages should be tied tightly to the brand's promise. The secret Coke formula is how Coca-Cola delivers refreshment. Walmart's purchasing power and distribution network allow you to live better by getting more for your dollar. That's all pretty straightforward, right? Well, it is, and most companies get this part more or less right when they work with a good agency. But what if the brand's corporate strategy changes? What if the marketplace shifts? This happens all the time. Corporations respond, but their brands don't. For example, Walmart's been flat-footed in responding to Amazon, which successfully attacked both the cost and convenience offerings that had differentiated Walmart. Coke's been challenged by a change in consumer preference. Ten years of decline in soft drink consumption, mainly to water, and Pepsi's taking the number one crown away in the diet drinks category, And that shows that even the world's fourth most valuable brand and most valuable non-tech brand, which is Coke, isn't immune to shifts in sentiment. And as obvious as the role of the brand is when we think about brands like Coke, Amazon, Walmart, and the Ritz-Carlton, it's even more difficult to get it right when you're a challenger brand. If you're Jet.com, maybe you fumble through a subscription model, focus on product pages, and land on free shipping. If you're Coke and Pepsi and you can't pivot to health, maybe you build bottled water brands from zero to hero until they dominate the space so you can still leverage your distribution network. But for other brands, brands without such a close connection between product and brand, it's often really unclear what role the brand should play. So how do you create a solid, useful brand expression and tie it to strategy? Well, that's where employee and consumer insight comes in. At Aviva, we strongly believe that every creative expression is hired to do a job, and to understand the job it has to do starts with careful observation. Every great brand position helps the consumer to understand what the brand uniquely offers. This is true for B2B brands, not just B2C, but consumers will only care if the brand meets an important need. So the first step in establishing a brand's competitive advantage is both listening to and observing the current users of the brand and employees to understand what they value the most highly and what the brand most uniquely offers. This becomes the evidence base. So when we talk about evidence-based brands, what we're talking about are brands that connect promise and need. It's important to point out here that we don't just listen to consumers, and we certainly don't just listen to people who have a need and haven't met the brand. 
Getting this right requires carefully balancing inputs from the people farthest from the brand. Think of these as your target customers, those closest to it, which are actually the workforce, and several points between to get a balanced, nuanced view of the brand's strengths, its weaknesses, and its potential for growth in advance. That part's really important because a brand's not a static thing. A brand's got a job to do and a place to go. So when we listen, we listen to hear what they say and to capture what's unique and how they talk about their brand experience. We observe to see how what they say aligns with what they do, and when it doesn't, to understand what the difference is and what it's trying to tell us. There are a host of ways to listen and observe, and we'll talk about these later. What's important here is that the process of listening and watching provides a strong evidence basis for and provides a brand's essence, its unique gift to the world. My colleague Kate Newsom heads up our insight practice. She'll have more to say about building what we called a brand's evidence base next week. While the essence is important, a strong brand's much more than a single idea. A well-designed brand offers a system of messages and value, one that's calibrated to intersect with a customer in a different way at different times and supports corporate strategy. So customer employee insights are the basis for what we call the brand's playbook. This isn't a design system. That comes later. This is just what it sounds like, the rules for how the brand will do what it does once it's out in the wild. The playbook takes the brand's equities, differentiators, and key messages and arranges them by audience and sales stage to support the brand's purchase funnel. This is harder than it sounds, but when it's done right, the playbook's an essential complement to the corporate strategy because it defines the who, what, when, how, and why of product-customer fit that inform and shape the brand's marketing mix. Now, I know I've thrown a lot of terms out there, so if you need a refresher on equities, differentiators, purchase funnel, marketing mix, and so on, visit the written version of this post and you'll find helpful links to definitions. But why should the purchase funnel and the marketing mix factor into your brand? After all, aren't those just advertising? Yeah, of course. But if they don't, here's the thing. Your brand, your advertising, and your corporate strategy are now completely disconnected. Your brand's now decoration, and your advertising campaigns have twice as much meaning to convey in the same amount of time or space. So think of it this way. The brand is a message of who you are. The advertising is a message of what to do with who you are. Now the advertising's got to do all of that. So the brand's playbook is one of the most important outcomes of a strong, well-executed brand project. Once you've got the playbook in hand, you're done with strategy, at least for the time being. Now it's time to develop the creative brief and begin creative expression. Briefs are the most important, most misunderstood, and most complicated parts of this process, so I'm going to devote a whole podcast to them in a few weeks. For now, let's just say that the creative brief can take many shapes and forms, but all good briefs have two interdependent factors in common. They clearly state the problem the creative must solve, and they're brief. If the brand is evidence-based, the brief should be too. A good brief starts with the context and evidence necessary to get the big idea, generally followed by a simple question or statement, and provides tangible success criteria for the creative, like, we'll know we've got it right when people say dot dot dot. Oh, and by the way, it has the big idea. The creative team's first output is generally a set of creative concepts, words and art that express the big idea in a variety of different ways. 
What's important here is the creative is still evidence-based. While it's possible to jump to creative without evidence, if you do, there's a real risk that the winning concept, which is the one that gets turned into advertising, will be based on what the client likes rather than what the customers care about. Pleasing the client's obviously important, but it's risky to move away from what the customers care about. And there's a less obvious risk here, too. It's possible that the most interesting creative won't align with the brand's strongest differentiators and equities. When this happens, the brand can easily find itself leaning in the direction of a competitor's greater strength. That's not risky. That's disastrous. We'll talk more about the creative process and how to get to great creative outcomes later this month. The final step is selecting the strongest creative. If it's evidence-based, all the agency's creative should support the brand's most important strengths. And if it's good, each idea will be distinct and unique. Often, clients find they have strong positive reactions to a particular direction, but even when they do, it's a good idea to get the customer back into the process and ensure that the creative is telling them what's important to them in a language and a manner that makes sense to them. There are lots of ways to do this, each with pros and cons. For example, it's easy and fairly quick to get a large sample response by A-B testing executions, which are concepts that have been turned into ads, against each other. This works well if you have two concepts you love and you can't decide between them. The biggest drawbacks of A-B tests is you generally won't know why the winning concept wins or why the other fails, and this can be really important. For example, it might come down to a difference in casting between A and B, which might mean it's the model, not the idea people are responding to. At the other end of the spectrum, you can get great feedback on every component from qualitative testing, whether it's street intercepts, which is asking strangers that match your target persona for feedback, or focus groups or interviews. And there's a challenge here, too, which is people generally don't spend time studying ads, so the longer they spend talking about what they like and what they don't, the more unnatural the experience gets. Add examiner bias, which is our natural decision about whether we like the person who's asking us questions or not. Add in the fact that most people who do like you are innately inclined to want to please you, and it's pretty clear that you have to take all responses with a grain of salt. At this point, if you'd followed these steps, you'd have a solid, evidence-based brand concept closely tied to your business strategy and supporting your brand's most important differentiators. This is when the brand idea moves from expression, which is about identity, to impression, which is about gaining clicks, shares, likes, and buzz. I'll pick up here with brand impression in February. Meanwhile, thanks a lot for listening to Express. We want this to be useful, so whether you love it or hate it, give us the gift of feedback at express at avivabrands.com. That's E-V-V-I-V-A brands.com.